My name's Helen, and I am an alcoholic. And I wanted to read something to you now. I'm a southerner, so I speak slow. So uh, it has nothing to do with your understanding or not understanding. It has to do with who I am. In the 12 and 12, my sponsor and I used to read this together every week, once a week. Um, AA's 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole, uh, spiritual in their nature. So, I actually... I didn't know. I don't know what that has to do with uh, commodes and uh, uh, change in our life. That's interesting. Could I uh, put that in my experience? I use some other things, of course, but that is very interesting. Um, I was assigned two or three topics And I'll try to uh, move on with them because I'm hungry, too. (laughs) And the uh, state, how has AA changed? And I thought I'd take a short, little, even shorter cut, is to do a little percentage comparison. Uh, This is an AA pamphlet put out by General Service Office, AA World Services, and it says 2004 membership survey. I don't know if they've made a later one. Uh, every three years. Okay. So they probably have a later one. But I have a 2001 and a 2004. And I found it interesting to compare. Uh, and this is a change that in 2001, membership of women in Alcoholics Anonymous was 33%. Men, 67%. Now, notice that when I came in, which is before this, my sobriety date is, um, when is it? September the 12th, 67. So I'm sure this number was different then. In 2004, you remember I said 33% women, 2004, 35% women, and 65% men. That means it's 2% lower than it was. And I don't know what that means. It may have something to do with that commode. I'm not sure. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I just couldn't help it. Sponsorship, 2001, 77% of the AA members had a sponsor. In 2004, 78%. And through and how we came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I always found that interesting because I came through with a family member speaking to me. Uh, 2001, through an AA member was 32%, less than that in 2001, 4, 31%, court 
ordered 2001 12%, 2004 11%. And we get calls at the office more and more and more. So it, that's as if it dropped. But so many people call the office that have been sent by the court, whether they're alcoholic or not, where they could have a problem with whatever it seems, and they want AA classes. Because, you know, I guess we, because we are well-known and we are successful, basically, and we do a lot of things right, uh, they just automatically send people to Alcoholics Anonymous. And they don't always have a drinking problem. Um, they have a problem, but it's not always drinking. And sometimes people are not happy with me when I try and find out what kind of problem they have. <laughs> and the uh, one lady told me I was going to cause her to go back to jail. And she called me something and hung up. You know, she was angry. I didn't cause her problem, but she was angry with who was as if putting up a... Well, she was angry when she dialed the phone, of course. I understand that. And interesting, under 21 years of age, 2% in 2001, 2004, 1.5% drop in under 21. And to me, it's as if there are more and more younger people. But what grew was the older ages between uh, 51 and 60, 20 percent in 01, and in 04, 23 percent. I find that interesting and about the ages, because we're always saying uh, more and more young people are coming in. And don't know the answer, I'm just doing their percentages. And I've brought a few free ones. If somebody like to, somebody young would like to step up here on these stairs and give them out, would you do that? They only have a few, so pass it around. And we have more at the office, of course. I enjoyed so much what Dick said. I took notes. I haven't taken notes in years. Uh, I used to take notes at uh, speaker meetings, at roundups, and when I was new. And I would be so busy writing, and everybody would laugh, and I'd miss what he, the speaker said. I said, oh, my goodness, and I'd miss this and miss that. But uh, Dick was good enough to sort of keep it in principle, and so I got it. And so I took notes, which means it would be useful to me. And he told me that I could come up here and sit in one of these three chairs. And um, I said, no, I'd rather sit out here and listen to you face forward. And I said, can I do that? Now, I'm so belonging his. And that shows humility. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to stay in that because um, principles that work, the principles that work in Atlanta. 
I have begun to sponsor and think and live what a principle is. And I have so many different, commodes one of them, of course, but I have so many in my own life that, and so I'm a storyteller. I'm not a speaker, I'm a storyteller, in case you haven't picked up yet. And so I go to the bank, make deposit for the central office most of the time. And I don't know if you have stand in line at the bank, uh, but they've been instructed, and I know this, they've been instructed to say, thank you for your patience. And uh, how can I help you? Thank you for your patience. And they said it for two years. And I just got a little tired. So I said to the teller when I walked up, I said, you don't have to say that to me. And she said, oh, we do. And I said, it's okay, I won't tell. You don't have to say it to me. I said, because I am not patient, but I know how to behave. So the next time I went, I went to the same teller, and she said, hardly looked at me, thank you for, oh, <laughs> for behaving. <laughs> so I think the principles of what we're talking about is finding out, surely, after sobriety, how to understand how to behave, how to relate. And I can relate almost every single time that I speak with someone because I can bring it to a different experience. Maybe I didn't have that same one, but I can take it and think of another one. In fact, I'll sometimes when... Someone is talking to me, I'll say, I'll think over some of the things I did. And I think, how in the world could I do anything but listen to this if I think about what I did in my drinking life and in my sober life? And so it took a lot of changing for me. I, I was doing some of the same things in my sobriety I was doing when I was drinking. I'm not here to tell you about my first step, but it's true. And so the experience of that enables me to understand, and I tell people that over the phone, I shorten it, is the first thing I felt when I got to AA was they understood. Now, they didn't know me, they didn't know what I'd done in my life, and I felt less than... But uh, I knew they understood somehow. Um, Bill, I wrote this down, calls, calls learning and living our principles a rugged school of life. And that's what it is. And I would rather be in this school of life. Well, what choice did I have? I, I suppose I had a choice. I do have a, I can make a decision. I do have a choice on 
how I act and how I think and how I relate. And I can't always control my thinking. I used to think if I didn't think about drink, I wouldn't drink. If I just could stop thinking about drinking. Somebody talked about thinking earlier. And that try not practice resistance. And I think these are the principles that are working in our area. And I think they work wherever we walk. Um, Principles before personalities. I wanted to tell you about something that I, I did this about not very long ago. I'm 42 years sober, in case you haven't figured that out. And about three months ago, one of the girls in my group stepped on my toe, so to speak. And so I handled it at the moment, but I took it home with me. And I didn't like it. And I took it on with me, and I took it daily with me, and I took it to work with me. And so I decided to retaliate. And the way I was going to retaliate is just not speak to her. Simple. And so I get to my home group, and of course she's a member of the same home group. And I just sort of, when she comes in, I just sort of turn a little bit. So we didn't have to make an effort. <laughs> anyway, so I didn't speak to her. Now, I said there are 25 people there. You know, we're not going to speak to everybody here in this group. I was conscious of not speaking to her. Do you know what I mean? And so the whole group, the whole meeting was, I was kind of going like this, and I was conscious of not speaking to her. And I did that two weeks in a row, two meetings. The third meeting... Still have it. Uh, had asked God to remove it and, uh, wasn't serious apparently. <laughs> and I got to the meeting and she wasn't there. And I said, how in the world am I going to not speak to her? <laughs> If she isn't there. (laughs) Since we're not robots, and there's going to be the the kind of things that it was mentioned earlier that makes, that means I'm human, I do accept the humanness of me. I don't always like it. I, you know, I... But I tell on me, and I because I'm like you, and my mantra and has been for years is, I'm not so different, and neither are you. Sorry about that. <laughs> I don't do commode lids though. <laughs> Lessons learned. Uh, Bill, somewhere I read, and I don't know if Bill wrote it, that AA was born out of trouble. And so think about Alcoholics Anonymous was born out of trouble. And so I think about us and group inventories, personal inventories, that we take our inventory that is born out of trouble. 
or if we do it quick enough, we might not get into trouble. The groups might not get into trouble. There's ever so often somebody uh, calls and uh, talks to us, and all I have is the experience of others working through trouble in a group. And if it's spunsy in my own experience of getting through it. And uh, I remember this one was about smoking. And they voted not to smoke, and they voted smoke, and they voted not to smoke. Three different uh, times that they had their group conscious. And this was a group that I knew, and uh, I heard about it. They were telling, they were having a lot of trouble, and they called about it. And in the local newspaper, whether any of you saw it or not, their local newspaper, it came out headlines. Alcoholics Anonymous can smoke, something like that. In the local paper, they sent me a copy of it. And uh, now it's, in, it's out there. Now it's in the public. The bar next door to this uh, meeting room had noticed people smoking, and they had told them they could smoke city, city ordinance. And uh, and he didn't like it. It was a bar. And so he went to the local newspaper, and uh, by golly, the reporter put it in a newspaper. They quietly, this group, went back and had another group conscious and voted not to smoke. It really was an outside issue. It really was. It is an outside issue. It's not an AA inside issue. And they learn from it. Lessons learned. And we try at the office to not send groups trouble. I say that over and over. We try not to send. Groups can have trouble. But we try not to send it. And so everyone who answers that phone now didn't used to have to do this. Years ago, I never even thought about it. After a few sentences, we say something like, do you think you have a drinking problem? And it, so many uh, of the courts are sending People that they sometimes say, no, no, it's a drug, and I give them the NA phone number. And uh, that was why this lady called me a bad name and uh, told me I was going to call her to go back to jail. I Drinking caused me to go to jail, by the way. And uh, so I didn't take it to heart. We do, though, uh, work at it. We, uh, what the group does when they get it is up to the group. There's, you know, group have their own group conscious. They have their own uh, business meetings, and they know how to work it out. And I want to tell you about one thing I strive for. One of the things I strive for is to react the same way when I lose. Now, you get this now in group consciousness as when I win. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? 
that is, that's attractive to me, and I strive for it. That's one of the things I strive for. Thank you.